Hello, everybody. We are going to demonstrate how to do an easy 3D project using Read and Wire. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. And by the way, this video has a sponsor from our community, which we are incredibly grateful for because when you sponsor a video, you create content basically for the entire world. So a huge thank you to Cobalt Counseling for their support of our content. And you can find Cobalt Counseling's links in the YouTube video description below. Let's talk about Read. By the way, if you're looking for information about the specific materials, please note that the art supplies list and the links are in the YouTube video description below. This is really easy to get. I got it off Amazon. And what's confusing about it when you purchase is which size to buy. So the one that is the most versatile is 4.25 millimeters. I would start with this one, but there's also a thicker one, which is 7.25 millimeters. And this is better if you're doing a large scale project because it's really strong, but it's not great for smaller projects. It's just really difficult to work with. So I'm curious, Mia, because this is a project I've done a billion times in my classrooms, know it inside out, but you've never touched this before, right? No, and I am very scared at the moment. <laughs> but we're just gonna like hope for the best. I am not a very confident 3D artist. Um, I'm not confident with wire, which is why I'm using a hot glue gun today. But um, I'm gonna do my best and breathe, and we'll try and get through it. <laughs> well, I'm curious why 3D intimidates you, and tell us in the chat if you feel the same way or if 3D is your comfort zone? I think that 3D has always intimidated me because in a 2D medium like drawing or painting, um, you kind of recreate something or you make something and it's easy to look at it and say, oh, that looks good or that looks bad. 3D is dealing with a whole other realm of situational issues. Like you have to deal with um, dimension and scale and like all of this stuff just in a new way in the three dimension in the real world and i think that the materiality of all the different things that you need to work with like wire and read and all these random things that's always intimidated me too because i just don't know how to use specific mediums that well well one of the things i really like about this read material is that it's very lightweight and so there's not a lot of struggle in terms of your sculpture falling apart <laughs> but also it's so neat. For example, if you use clay, you have all the powder, clay gets really heavy, and cardboard, you have to cut it. So that's one of the reasons I really like this material is it's just really simple. All you need is the reed, and then armature wire, which is very malleable. You need to get the one that's a 16th of an inch wide, and Mia's using hot glue. And then you need to have needle nose pliers if you're using the wire. If you're doing hot glue, I don't think it matters as much. 
these are nice because this pair of pliers, you can see there's a wire cutter right here, but it is handy to have a separate wire cutter because there are a couple spots where it's hard to reach what you need to cut if you don't have one of these. So you can live without it, but it is really nice to have that. And that's it because some 3D stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, to go on a shopping spree at Sculpture House, which is not so fun. All right, my recommendation, the best way to get started with reed to understand it as a material is to just make a bunch of circles because this is really simple and you'll find with this technique oftentimes it's about making a bunch of shapes and then assembling them together so you can see here i've got one circle but i also have this one and this one and this one and they're all different sizes this one's really large so oftentimes what i'll do is i'll have two circles but maybe i'll put them together like this so that way you can make a sphere which is really simple this is the beginning of a sphere so if you just make a couple circles it just makes it more manageable so i'll demonstrate how to do that and mia how are you finding the reed? Because you've never used it before. Do you find it friendly or are I you having a fight? Do. Yeah, I actually do find it friendly. It's like easy to bend and kind of warp to your your whim and your, your need. Um, it cuts really easily. I was nervous about that. I tried to use scissors before I used the wire cutters on them. But um, yeah, it's pretty easy so far. Okay, so to make a circle, what you want to do is the reed naturally has this bend, which I love. It, it just will do that on its own. And what I do is I cut it so it's a little bit overlapped like this. So you don't want to do this. That is not going to be structurally sound. And I would say in general, you want to avoid cutting as much as you can. Like if I cut up this circle into four different pieces, it's horrible to have to assemble. So the less cuts, the better, the stronger. Okay, so you do that and then you cut a piece of wire. You want it to be pretty long because the thing about wire is if it's too short, you're in trouble. If it's too long, you just trim it. So what you do is you take the reed like this and you're gonna take the wire and you're gonna cross it like this. Like don't start at the end of the wire because that's really hard to work with. So I put it right in the middle of my wire and wrap it around like this. And then you keep wrapping and you gotta keep the wire really tight because if this is really loose, it's gonna fall apart. Now, you don't like wire, <laughs> Mia, why is that? <laughs> I think that maybe it's just the specific wire I'm, I've been using in the past, but it's so obnoxious. Like I always get lot, like I do one thing with wire, I bend it in one spot and then I'll bend it in another spot and the first part will like just disintegrate or like get lost or I always mess it up so easily. And then um, I end up getting just frustrated with it. And then I quit the project. So 
it's just it's just always a mess whenever I try and use wire. So does everybody see? This is all wrapped. Okay, now I have these two little points. And I can't do that without really hurting my fingers. So that's where the needle nose pliers are very important. So what I do is I take the needle nose pliers and I just push it down. Okay, so now that little piece of wire that was sticking out, it's wrapped around the reed. So that's one of the reasons you use the needle nose pliers is so that you don't hurt your fingers. Okay, and then that's so nice and tight. I love wire. I think you're crazy. <laughs> no, that's so clean. If I ever tried to make a loop like that, which I have in the past, I just end up stabbing my own hands and screaming. <laughs> and yeah, it's satisfying to watch you do it though, I will admit. So this is one of the reasons you might want a wire cutter. This one is pretty good. Like this one, I don't even think I need to trim. It's fine. But sometimes you'll have a bit of reed that sticks out a little too much. And so what I can do is go in with the wire cutter and I can just snip it like this. And it's easy to cut. The stuff is not that hard. The really thick reed, that's a little bit harder, but even then it's not that difficult. So now we have a really nice circle. It's so fun. I just love the inherent roundness. Like it's just really dynamic. Do you like that? It's fun. I, I do like that. I think it's uh, it's nice when a material almost gives you a suggestion on what to do with it or what to make with it. Um, it's, it's fun. So does everybody see? This is one piece of reed and I can pull it out. And it just has this inherent bounce that I think is really, really beautiful. This is a nice suggestion from Lisa. The hot glue seems quicker to test options. Oh yeah, the wire takes way longer. Did you find that helpful, Mia? Oh yeah, oh yeah, because I, I am impatient. I think that might be another reason. I feel like in this stream, we're gonna figure out the root of why I don't like 3D as a medium. <laughs> But maybe because I'm really inherently impatient and I just like, I like how immediate paint is. I just get to put it down and see all my options. I like hot glue because I can just like try something and then throw it away and try again if I don't like it. <laughs> now, sometimes the reed can be a little uneven. So this part of the reed has a nice curve to it. But this part of the reed, it, it goes a little bit straight here which isn't great if you want to make a circle. So sometimes I'll just trim those straight ends, but I like that it's a natural material. It really feels good in your hands. And typically this type of reed, usually it is used for basket weaving. And I know for basket weaving, they soak the reed. So that way it's more malleable. But for this particular project, you don't need to do that. You can just use the reed dry. In fact, some of my students tried soaking it and just made a terrible mess. So <laughs> it's not really necessary. By the way, let's show everybody, Mia, what you used the reed for on your own. Tell us what we're looking at. Oh, yeah. So um, I was invited to this costume party. It was midsummer themed. Um, and I used this reed. I wanted to make a little flower wreath to go around my face. 
And I said, oh, I need a circle base. What could I possibly use? And then I had this reed just sitting in my room that, that Prof Lou mailed to me. And I decided to give it a try and it worked really well. And let me know what you think about this little costume, but I love it. I want to wear it just every day. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I, I never even thought about the reed as being an option for wearable art, but it totally makes sense. The lightweight quality of it was, I imagine, really helpful. Oh yeah, it was great. And um, it bent really easily. I just hot glued it in a, in a few spots. And I went to Michael's and they were having this like 70% off um, summer botanical decoration sale. So I bought a whole lot of flowers and then just glued them in. And it was easy. It took me like two hours, I think, maximum to get it all done. But it worked wow. out. Amazing. I can craft when I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you see multiple uses for a material, it's really fun. And I think it's one of the best ways to look at art supplies because you say to yourself, okay, traditionally this reed is used for basket weaving, but we're going to use it for something else. And I think that's super fun. Totally. Amanda wants to know, is the wreath comfy? It actually was. I'm proud of myself because I was able to measure the reed um to fit my face exactly so i didn't need to clip it in or anything i could just balance it like around my head and um i wore it the whole night it was great and it was um it was fun because i went to this uh, it was like a goth alternative like alternative party and i was worried i was like that's not really my scene but my friend said oh it'll be great just come and i got so many compliments from all these goth people and it was the best day of my life i was like this i feel so validated it was awesome <laughs> i loved it it was so fun well blue is noting that's something different a flower wreath to frame the face versus a circlet to wear on top of the head which is more typical of a headdress i think Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that I chose to go around my face uh, to reference the Midsummer movie, which I really love, but Clara doesn't. So we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> I wish I could unsee that movie. <laughs> these are two shapes that I've also made. And these shapes, they're a little bit more flat. I mean, certainly I could make them more 3D by combining them with other pieces. But that's a really good way to go is just to say, okay, there's a shape, here's a shape, and I have a circle. What can I do to put these together to make something really fun? I mean, I could take this and I could just cross it with the other one, and that's a different shape. It's like a little Venn diagram, but 3D. Or I could take it and maybe this lines up over here and then this becomes more three-dimensional. So I do think that a shape like this is a little bit harder to work with because it is so flat, but try whatever you want. And so the, the second shape that I tell people to try is a sphere. And this is just two circles that I attached 
here and also here. This is a little bit trickier because you're not just wrapping two pieces together. You're actually trying to crisscross with the wire. But it's like once you've got a sphere, you can do more things with it. And then you can do things like if you want to put some reed that goes across. So like on the side, you can do that. You can have more that go across. And sometimes the sphere is a really good base. So people will oftentimes make a sphere and then have things that are coming off the sphere because the sphere is really, really stable. Another shape. Oh, actually, I should show you how to do the sphere first. <laughs> Let's do that. Okay. So for that, I need to get two circles that are fairly similar in size. Let's find that right now. This one might be a little too small. Let's just try this. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, so you see I have two circles here that are pretty similar. And so what you want to do is cross them like this. So you can see, okay, that's the point right there where I want to put the wire. What are you making, by the way, <laughs> Mia? I'm making a little crown. I'm I'm going on this like theme of like wearable reed things. So I think I'm gonna try and make a little crown for myself. Um, but we'll see if it falls apart at the end. <laughs> Who's to say? So what you're gonna do, you're gonna take the two circles, get them to fit a little better. Okay, so here's your cross. And it's the same thing as when you're wrapping anything, you just wrap in the middle of the wire don't start at the end of the wire it's much harder this is a little tougher it will feel a little bit unstable for a little while but that's okay it'll settle in okay so you can see now i have the wire wrapped and you have to crisscross so i'm gonna go under the reed i'm gonna take the same piece i'm gonna wrap it the other way and you just keep wrapping in various directions until you run out of wire. And then you go in with the other piece of wire and you're going to wrap that around. There's no rhyme or reason to which way you wrap. You just wrap whichever way you haven't wrapped. And then usually by the time you've done that, it's pretty stable. Okay. And it's the same thing. You have these little ends up here of the wire that are sticking out. So again, I'm going to take my needle nose pliers, pinch it. So that way those little ends of the wire are not showing. And in general, the key to wire, you have to wrap it tight. If you're a little loose about it, it's not going to be very strong. So right now that's pretty strong. And once I do the other side, it's going to get even stronger. Ayanda says, this is useful info as I do sculpture in art school for the semester. I'll be required to make a sculpture out of wire anyways. So this does give me sort of confidence. Well, I've seen a lot of projects that are 100% wire and those are fun, but there's something about the wire. It just doesn't have a lot of stability to it. And this is very stable. Do you feel that, Mia, with the reed? Oh, totally. 
I think um, that's actually something I really like about it is that I can put something down and be confident it won't fall apart. It's yeah. not very, it's very stable. Which actually is sort of unusual for a 3D supply, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the reason why I kind of am enjoying this so far. Because <laughs> I don't have to be afraid that all my progress will just crumble to dust. Yeah, because structural issues are so present in 3D. I mean, when you paint, you have to worry about your painting falling over, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I have knocked over all of my painting like supplies like a few yeah. times just because I'm yeah. clumsy, but it's not inherent with the medium that I have to worry about everything just exploding or spontaneously combusting or anything like that or blowing up in a kiln. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's a huge relief because I have seen people's clay sculptures literally fall over and it's traumatic. <laughs> so th this is like super bouncy. Like, do you enjoy the bounce? I like that, look at this. I kind of like it. The tension is interesting. I think the tension when I'm trying to bend things not knowing if it's going to stay right away it's kind of scary but i'm being brave <laughs> I'm getting through it you're right though i once was at a craft fair that was windy and i saw someone's entire body of ceramic work <gasps> fall and crash and so sad um oh so at least painters don't have to like deal with that i guess Blue Wolf says, so do you start with the shapes and make something from there? Or do you start with the idea of the sculpture and make a specific armature to support it? You can do it either way, but I do think with any new material <clears throat> and with the reed, if you've never used it before, start really simple and try not to have an agenda because you don't know how the reed is gonna behave until you've worked with it for a little while. And so it is good to have that period of playtime because if I say to myself, I want to make a horse out of reed, I'm going to be frustrated. <laughs> and then once you feel like you know the material better and you can say to yourself, oh, th this is a really good match for this image. I mean, I would not want to make a horse out of this. I mean, I'm sure you can. It's just it's not a great match with the material. Maybe you could make like a huge horse. Like if you worked really yeah, yeah. on scale, I think that could work. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisa says after you make simple shapes and play with them, I expect you'll start seeing something interesting, complex shapes in the world around you. Yep. So the next step with the sphere because this oftentimes is just not substantial enough, is I'll make another circle and I'll put the circle on top like this. And then you can make multiple circles underneath. So this again, it's, it's more wire wrapping, but it makes it even more stable because there's more points of contact between all of the circles. And it just, it feels really good. I don't know. I find this satisfying. I broke one. Oh. No. It's okay. 
But do you know what I mean about the lack of mess? For this specifically? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's like all dry materials, mostly. Yeah. And clay drives me crazy. It's just so dusty and wet and bleh. Not fun. Cedric is making a mini Death Star this weekend. <laughs> Love it. Good luck with that. That sounds crazy. Yeah, Seven Angelic says the structural integrity field is an important factor. I mean, I suspect that that's one of the reasons a lot of people don't do sculpture is because it's just way more complicated. Because when I did my master's degree in sculpture and I moved from New York back to Boston, oh my gosh, the storage is so awful. If all your work is 3D, like I honestly don't know how sculptors deal. Imagine being a glass artist and shipping stuff across the country. I don't even want to imagine that. Yep. No. Nope. I'm not even going to think about it. It <laughs> sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just, you have to really love your, your art to, to have to put up with all of that, you know? So does everybody see how I have the beginnings of a globe? So I have one piece that goes across. I could probably put another one going across here and then another one down here. And, and you can keep going. I mean, however you want to start it. Okay, the next shape that I really like to recommend is, what is this? Is it a cone? It's like a curvy cone, however you want to call it. So this is just four pieces of reed that are attached at the edge, very end. And then you can see there's a little ring that holds them together. So I'll demonstrate how to do that. So basically you want to start out with four. I mean, you could do three. You don't have to do four. I like to do four. So basically this is four pieces of reed and they're all cut to the same length. And oh, blue tape. I love you. <laughs> do you have a love affair with blue tape? Because I do. Oh yeah. Painter's tape, artist tape. I love it. So sometimes if you want to test something, you can just wrap blue tape around it really fast to see if it's actually going to work for you. So I'm going to take the blue tape off. And this is the point where I'm going to wrap wire around these four ends. So we get that put together. Now, when you're wrapping this much, this is when you really need to use a lot of wire. Because if you don't have enough, it can fall apart really quickly. Okay, so I'm going to take these four ends like this. I'm going to try to get the tips together, although it doesn't matter. You can crop it later. And you just take the wire, same thing, wrap from the middle. And try to bunch them together. You don't want them in a row because they're not going to be as strong if you put them in a row. Okay, same technique 
wrap the wire. So you take one direction, wrap it like this. And th this is one where it's got to be tight. Like this is not going to fly. And you'll notice too, when I wrap the wire that the wire is very close. Like I don't have big gaps in between every wrap. And that also just makes it structurally a lot stronger. Okay, so let's wrap the other side. Like this. Take my pliers and pinch this so I don't have the end of the wire sticking out. Okay, so that's together. But I don't like <laughs> that these are not the same length. So that's where you can just go in and trim it like that. And then it's a little bit stronger. Okay, so this is wrapped. And now I have all this stuff that's like that. And I want to take one of my rings. And this is the same concept as when I did the sphere, is that you're going to start at the top and pull this down. And you can see ah, stuff is getting everywhere from that. Okay, okay so then you're going to take four pieces of reed and they're going to contact. I know you guys can't see this is really hard to see, but the sphere contacts each of the four reed pieces. And that's how you end up with something like this. And I'll show you guys how to do it like that. Mia, how come your thing always looks prettier than mine? <laughs> because I don't take risks. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I'm 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 feeling out of my comfort zone, but it's okay. <laughs> I know, but Mia and I were talking before the stream about how you're not a painter anymore as much as you are a, a um multimedia artist. It's kind of cool. I never considered myself um like anything outside of a 2D artist before, but with like some textile stuff going on and maybe a whole new career in reeds, who's to say? <laughs> well, I think it's amazing because you've got the rugs, you've got some textile work going on and you also, are now making wearable pieces. Isn't that cool? It's kind of cool. It's fun. I think that I can, I can, it's easier to branch out of my comfort zone if I'm doing it um, out of uh, creative, passionate pursuit. Like to make a fun costume for something, there's not as much pressure as right. like, oh, I need to make this for a specific project or something like that. So I think uh, doing, little side quest projects like that can really open doors for new media. And plus, if it doesn't come out well, you're like, oh, I've never done this before. That's why it doesn't look good. Yeah, and there's no real stakes. Like, I could have worn something else to that party, you know? But lucky for me, it worked out. <laughs> so putting the sphere on this round cone, it, it's tough. The first one, stuff is like slipping and it, it's not that easy, but 
once you get two in place, it, it starts to feel a little better. But when you start crossing a lot of shapes, it, it does get harder to hold together. But it, it's just the first wrap is a little bit unwieldy, but that's okay. okay. I noticed By the way, you go. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I noticed that with 3D medium, it's a lot of like, we're going to be okay. It's not going right, but we're going to be okay. We're just going to print like so much um, validation and reassurance just to ourselves out loud. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know. That's what's going through my mind when I paint. <laughs> I think it's yeah. just, for me, it, regardless of the media, I'm always like, <gasps> <laughs> going into cardiac arrest. <laughs> And how was Alaska? Oh, it was great. For those of you who don't know, I just got back from a month long teaching experience in Alaska and it was really great. It was in Sitka, so like Southeast Alaska. I've never been there before. Um, and it was beautiful there. The, the teaching experience was cool, but man, teaching is a job. That's a job. <laughs> it's really hard. People don't realize how much work it is. <laughs> It's, it's crazy. I was, um, threw me for a loop. Not that I thought that it was easy before, oh, personally. yeah. but just like to be there and have like realizing, okay, these are all my responsibilities. This is what I have to do. It's, you know, it's an adjustment. Um, but it was cool. It was really fun. Tell us in the chat who here has taught and it doesn't have to be art. Maybe you love a seminar or, or responsible in some capacity to impart your knowledge and tell us what that experience is because mia one of the things my husband said when he first started teaching he said oh my gosh i had no idea that teaching could make me feel this self-conscious oh my gosh well i had to teach high schoolers for a little bit and i was shaking in my boots the whole time because it's just a little like uh the the glances that they give at each other yeah. i'm like what are you, are you talking about me <laughs> i was like oh no and then it's just um you know kind of an imposter syndrome of like wow you trust me to give you knowledge and try and guide you through projects or things like that where it's just i had to adjust my mindset and get a little more confident so that the students could be more confident and the thing is, they notice everything about you. It, <laughs> that makes you even more self-conscious. I mean, I've read course evaluations. People comment about my hair and about, oh gosh, it's so ridiculous. That's mean. <laughs> it is mean. Like, I don't think male professors get comments like that. Okay, now one little fix you can do with the reed which is really handy is if you wrap one section like this little cross i wrapped and you discover oh it's a little bit too far to the left because there's no glue involved you can just take it and just pull it so th this used to be a little bit more over to the right i just pulled it to the left so sometimes it's better, especially with this kind of wrap, 
when you want to redistribute the location of the wrap. So that's way it's a little bit more even because if I'm doing a circle and I have a wrap and it's like all the way to the right, it's not going to be as stable. And so I, I really like that flexibility about the read that I have the ability to make that change and tweak where I end up wrapping things. So tell us about the hot glue. I'm curious, how are you using it? Are you using it at, on the tips of the read or to fuse two pieces together? Yeah, I think that I'm making it a little bit easier on myself because I have this um, circular base here and I kind of stabilized this base with wire and hot glue. Um, and then I'm just kind of using it and gluing um, all of my pieces onto this base. So if I was going to be doing what you were doing, I think it would be far more complex and probably a lot messier to use the hot glue. But oh. for something that has like a solid base, I feel like hot glue is, is okay. <laughs> Wait, can I see the side view again? Because you oh, have sure. almost these like thorns that are sticking up. Yeah, I'm trying to make like a little crown. Um, so I'm messing around with like the size of the wire or not the wire, the size of the reed and just placement and things like that. I think I'm still not super confident to go big yet. <laughs> so right. I'm seeing what I can accomplish with smaller pieces. I really like those arches you have on the side. Those are really elegant, don't you think? I think they're fun. Uh, it also gives it a little more structure so I can um, just build things off of that. That's sweet. Okay, and so I could, let's see. This is a really big circle, so I might put this one at the bottom and then I can fill in more circles. Tahira says, such kinds of projects are interesting, but tiring. It needs a lot of patience and hard work sometimes. Well, are you finding this tiring? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> really? No, I mean, I think that everyone has that medium that they can lose themselves in and uh, kind of not think about anything. And it's... Um, therapeutic in a way. I think this I have to be like, okay, what's every step of the way? And what's um, my next, you have to be alert. So I feel very alert making this. <laughs> that's really funny because I find this very easy. But maybe that's because I'm used to other 3D material that's like really heavy duty maintenance and is like actually physically taxing where it's like, ow! <laughs> It's not like that. Yeah, I mean, compared to like bronze and sculpture, this is probably really easy. <laughs> it feels that way. And I, I really like how lightweight it is because this is a huge sphere that I made. This is with the much thicker reed. And seriously, this reed is so strong that I could make a huge sculpture that's the height of me and it would be so lightweight. And that's extremely rare. I mean, if I make a six foot tall clay sculpture, it's gonna weigh so much. 
And so it, it's all relative. It depends on the person. But I guess I would just say, don't make assumptions about the material until you try it, because there's really no way to know until you get your hands on it. Or sometimes I'll see something and I'm like, ah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then I do it and I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. <laughs> So Counselor Chip says, I'm just now learning to paint. I've always been attracted to 3D anything, wood, concrete, tile, and textures. I was the opposite. I learned how to paint first, and then I got into 3D. I'm assuming for you, you just stayed in the 2D, Mia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I when I learned first, um, when I had a, my very first 3D art class, it was like pulling teeth. Like, I did not really? want to do it. Um, and it was a whole, I had to readjust my whole mindset for it and try and um, apply what I liked about the creation process for 2D into a 3D medium. And I think once I started to do that, um, it, it got a little bit easier for me, but yeah, still not the, still not the easiest. <laughs> yeah, but you are doing 3D, you made that headdress. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's a, an example of, me kind of warping the 3D medium into what I like to do, which is a mindset I didn't have before. So now I think it's getting a little bit easier for me to try new things and not be as judgmental about it. <laughs> and I also think, first of all, learning doesn't stop after school. Second of all, I find oftentimes I learn a new technique not because I want to, but because I have to. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I want to make this thing. Shoot, I guess I better learn Adobe Premiere <laughs> to make that happen. Yeah, that's such a good point where I think that being so stubborn about learning new materials in, in my past experience was really limiting what I could and couldn't um, do. So as soon as I opened my mind a little and said, okay, how about instead of looking within the realm of materials we already know, how about we figure out a project that we really want to do no matter what the cost and then learn whatever we need to learn to get it done. And that was really, I think, a healthy step. Yeah, I, I had no interest in editing or software, but I needed to make these videos. So I was like, well, I can't afford to hire somebody to do this. I guess I better learn it. And oh my gosh, it, it's been incredibly helpful. And probably a lot of people here don't know that you are very experienced in Premiere. I mean, was there a reason you learned it or did you just want to learn editing? Well, I when I was in high school, I was obsessed with um, speed paints and painting process videos. Um, and I really wanted to learn how to make my own speed paints and edit my own speed paints. So I got some kind of off-brand video editing software and learned there and then I ended up being an intern at Art Prof here, where I was messing around with Premiere even more. So it was just sort of a, a, a culmination of different video editing softwares that led me to my expertise today. <laughs> Anna says, I happen to love the messy materials. Oil, paint, and clay are my favorite materials because they are messy. Thought you loved clay too, Clara. <laughs> I do. I really love clay. I'm just saying 
relative to what we're doing now, it, it's a lot to deal with. But if you like doing something, it's like you'll put up with anything, right? It's just a matter of what you're willing to put up with. Yeah. And it's crazy how slight differences can really change everything. I love oil painting and painting and all of that and colorful materials. But if you give me wet charcoal, I will run screaming for the hills, which is like similar, but not quite. And it's the little things that really have an effect. I mean, it's sort of like any job. Every job has drawbacks. And so the question is, what are you willing to put up with? Because art prof is my own business. And yes, I hate doing payroll. Sorry, Mia. <laughs> and yes, I hate doing taxes. But the trade-off is complete freedom creatively. I didn't have to do payroll when I taught at RISD. I just taught my class and left. But I had to deal with a lot of crap with other faculty and the bureaucracy of academia. And to me, the trade-off now is, oh, I don't have to deal with that anymore. Thank you for running payroll. You know why you hate it. <laughs> it's, it's somewhat necessary. Yeah, so people who are wondering about the materials, the art supply list with links is in the YouTube video description below. And you can get all of this on Amazon. I, I don't usually see the read in stores. It's not common. Usually it's sold through a specialty basket supplier, but I was surprised it was on Amazon. So that was sort of nice as an accessibility thing. By the way, I know it's a little hard to see, but I, I got my, my cone together. Looks yeah. like a octopus tentacle kind of <laughs> so you can see in constructing it all of the pieces became uneven in terms of length this one's really short this one's really long so i'm going to go in here and i'm just going to crop it so that way all the pieces are the same length and then that does make it more manageable and easier to see I think that shape yeah. reminds me of like a crescent moon a lot. I think that if you put paper around it or like lights inside of it, it could be a cool little moon lantern. Ooh, I like that. So one thing I have done in the past, I have had students put paper mache over it. What we would do is put Elmer's glue 75%, water 25%, and we would dip tracing paper into it and you wrap it around and it has this translucent look, which would be a perfect lamp. I've also, which I actually think is cooler, is I put pantyhose over it and it looks really cool. <laughs> so there are options beyond this, but I also sort of like just how clean this looks just being able to see things more clearly in terms of structure, I think is really fun. Charlie says, I've always been drawn to sculpture, but so far fiber art has been the most accessible for me. So I do it often, consider it a form of 3D art. Absolutely. I don't know anything about fiber art, but the stuff I've seen is extraordinary, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that 
there's so many different kinds of fiber art so i don't know what one you're talking about specifically but i would love to dive into that world and like really get into textiles and and figure out everything about it because that's just so it's a craft and it's a trade people study for years to be able to be savvy with all the language and um the skill sets around it i think that's a beautiful thing about art oh i love this george says reminds me of lashing branches together to make structures at boy scout camp is that cool that's awesome <laughs> we're like in the boy scouts <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like oftentimes certain materials get put into specific categories. I mean, this is a whole other discussion, but people oftentimes will say, well, that material, that's craft. Oh, it's got yarn. It must be craft. Or, oh, it's a painting. It must be fine art. And it's like, I just don't think it's that black and white. No, I think that like craft, quote unquote, is um some of the most amazing learned techniques that are passed down from generation to generation um and it's amazing to see what people can accomplish with like beads and yarn and glue and and um clay. like just all of these different materials can come together and make really amazing historically relevant um pieces and i think that's a beautiful thing well and so much of the time the way art is categorized is based entirely on context. I mean, I've seen sometimes in museums, there'll be a fine art exhibition. I went to the Decordova Museum. It's in New England. And there was some show I saw and the Decordova is fine art. It's not, say, a crafts museum like you'll see in some places. And there is an animation piece in the show and I'm sorry, it was terrible. Like, technically speaking, it was awful. I mean, if you showed that to anyone in the animation industry, they would just laugh. That's how bad it was. And I thought to myself, you know what? If this was at an animation festival, it would never fly. But because it's in the decor of a museum, people go, oh, it's fine art. And I'm like, that's silly. It's a... I think there's a lot of double standards and weird things that go on in the in the fine art industry specifically. It's really annoying. You can see now, and by the way, people have decided, which I agree with, that it is a cornucopia. <laughs> That's pretty That's awesome. great. Okay, That's yeah. The totally. <laughs> I was looking for. But you can see now that I have three circles, it, it's starting to really take shape and it's easier to see. And the more circles you put, the more structurally sound it gets. But also sometimes you can use the read almost like a pattern. I mean, like structurally, maybe I don't need to add more circles, but sometimes it's really cool looking just to have that repetition of the shape. The repetition is nice. I keep having little ideas and then I have to repeat it through each part of my little crown. And then um, that part I, I am getting lost in at the end here. I feel like this, I've, I've gone through a lot of growth on this stream. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what you can learn in 40 minutes. Okay. So we have a lot of people who teach here, which is fantastic. 
counselor Chip Daly as a therapist came out of my consulting life. Maria says private tuition. I did art as an extracurricular with preschoolers. Oh my gosh, that is so much prep work, Maria. And we have Anna who teaches art at a women's prison once a week, started up terrified, learned so much. They've been through the worst things imaginable. Yeah, I mean, the people you encounter when you teach, I mean, I'm so grateful for that. Like I would never have met those people if I wasn't a teacher. Well, I think also I've learned a lot about you never know the situation and what's going on in everybody's day-to-day -day life or mental health or all of that. So a student could be struggling with something that would affect their behavior or their work ethic yeah. or whatever. Um, and it might sound really obvious to say, but it's just, it was very um, enlightening and educational for me to have to see that and kind of act on that firsthand. So I, I do think I learned a lot. Well, I mean, as a teacher, students told me all kinds of things about their lives. And it's like, when would I ever know that about the average person? Because part of that is them communicating with me, which I was always grateful for. I mean, I, I don't think anybody should share anything with a teacher they're not comfortable with. But it, it really helps you understand people more, which I love. Somebody uh, put it, they said that um, being a teacher is becoming more and more of like becoming a caretaker or it is uh, or a therapist or just being there emotionally for the kids is just as important as being there to teach them things. Well, I, I oftentimes think it's just a lot of teaching is about trust. And if a student doesn't feel like they can trust you, how can they learn anything? That's a good point. One thing you'll see that I'm doing right now with my cornucopia is I am moving things around like this circle. It was a little too high. So I just, again, pulled it down to reposition it because the, the reed is flexible. It, it's not like other materials where you can't bend it or bounce it. Like I can do that and nothing breaks, <laughs> which is really nice. Where's my other circle? Oh, there it is. Okay, I'm gonna move that one down. Move that one even further down. Blue Wolf says, it took me a long time to realize that the reed is a sculpture in itself. I thought you were making armatures for a sculpture and was waiting for the clay. You certainly can. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can put on top of the reed. But one thing that I do really like about 3D is when you just have one material. First of all, it helps you focus. Second of all, there doesn't tend to be as many technical things. I knew a sculptor who would just collect things. And he said one of the most difficult things was figuring out how to glue them together. How do you take a piece of metal and make sure it glues to a piece of plastic? That's really hard. And you have to figure out how those materials can interact. With this is just the reed. You don't have to do anything else. And that's a great way just to start, just so you know what's going on. 
Counselor Chip says, if I'm not learning, I'm not growing. If I'm not growing, then I'm just taking up space on Earth. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. <laughs> well, don't you find, Mia, that sometimes people think that learning stops at a certain age? Learning experience? stops? Learning stops, one, okay, once I've been a professional for 20 years, I don't have to learn anything else. Right. I mean, I think that I've always had the mindset of um, learning through practice. So I think that my, I never really liked learning in a classroom. I would prefer to get my hands dirty and like, or, um, and, and just start making things and learning for myself in the real world. So if that's what you mean, I think, yeah, <laughs> but I think I'm always learning stuff, even as a quote unquote, like professional. Well, I mean, you didn't learn rug tufting in art school. <laughs> no, I learned, I'm teach. I like self-teaching. I like self-directing and learning new projects that way, because I genuinely care about what I'm learning. I think that in school, there would be so many classes that I just did not connect with or, um, relate to or was interested in and because i didn't have any interest i wouldn't learn i would just space out and not like it and um now i can pack my day with things i actually care about and it's way more rewarding tell us in the chat what skills have you learned on your own where you, you didn't have formal instruction where you weren't in an online class or in a classroom that you learned by yourself. And why did you learn that skill? Maybe you just felt like it. Maybe you needed to do it, otherwise you couldn't do something else. So for me, Premiere and just basic camera lighting stuff. I mean, I am by no means a professional in that sense, but I have a decent amount that I can get by on. And I'm sure there are other things, but that's the one that's been the most critical for me that's impacted my practice the most. So Mia, what have you learned by yourself? Can you list a couple skills? Oh yeah, I would say um, social media and kind of navigating social media. And um, it sounds like, oh, that just means you're on the apps all the time, but there's a very specific no. kind of language that you have to strike. I think to to post and be successful there um i would say like lighting similar thing that you said where it's just filming and creating content in a nice way um i would say a lot of watercolor painting i've been self-directed and then the rug tufting stuff has been completely self-directed yeah actually watercolor for me too i never took a class in school on how to use watercolor now that I think about it. And I I so agree with you on social media being a skill because you can use it and that's fine, but to really try to learn it, don't you think that's such a different pursuit? Well, it is funny because I'll, I'll kind of crack my knuckles and be like, all right, time to study. And then I'll just go on TikTok for two hours. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I mean, I think that if you go into it with the intention of saying, okay, what videos are successful? What is the balance between um, educational content and entertainment and all of these things? It's, it's so much more loaded and complicated once you really get into it. 
It is because it's one thing to look at social media. It's another thing to analyze social media. Because one thing that I do now, which I never did before, I just scroll, doom scroll. <laughs> and that's different than when I look at a video and let's say I comment. And so every time I comment, I'm always like, well, why did I comment? What was in the video that prompted me to do that versus sometimes I'll just swipe away right away. And I say to myself, why did you do that? Oh, because it's about penguins and I mean, penguins are fine, but I really like beavers. So Aww. if there's a beaver video, I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with the beaver video, but penguins, uh, but you know, maybe it is for some other people. And so that like really focused learning for social media, I don't think that's actually that common. I think that uh, if you do a deep dive into literally anything, you'll find that there, there have been people who've been studying that weird thing for years and years. And social media is kind of a new-ish um, new whole industry that people can really dive into and get to know. And the trouble is that it changes so fast that it, you have to learn actively. You can't start learning when it was first invented you have to learn now and you have to keep up with it. So it's, it's hard, but it's fun. All right. So George has learned photography, dark room. Oh, I love dark room. I mean, not like I know about it, but I, I love the work that I see that comes out of it. And seven angelic says digital art software and editing and Amanda says, learn how to handle venomous steaks. That's a self-taught skill. <laughs> I feel like that shouldn't, you shouldn't be an uh, amateur <laughs> venomous snake handler. Are you okay? Yeah. That's oh my God. So Maria's asking, why use the wire to tie the reed together as opposed to string or another material? Well, I can tell you string would not work for this. It would just slip. I mean, maybe you could use really thick, elastic bands but the wire is really strong i mean so look at my cornucopia if i pull i mean i'm pulling pretty hard this is not falling apart if i use string it would absolutely fall apart so the wire has a rigidity that you're not going to get so much with something else yeah maria says most of what i learned about art through youtube books and websites Counselor Chip says, I screw things up and then I learn how to unscrew things. I learn the hard way, but I do learn. Yeah, but sometimes the hard way is a good way to go because Mia, when I was your age, we didn't have YouTube. So if you wanted to learn something, you'd go to the library, you get a book, and then you would just troubleshoot. And sometimes I think that is a good way to learn, even though it's not as direct as being handed the answers at the back of the textbook. Okay, I'm very proud of my cornucopia. <laughs> I love good, it. Right? You could put um, fruits in there. I know. Okay, so sometimes when you get to this point and I can't just slide things around anymore, I will actually take a read and not quite measure, but see, okay, what's the next size I want? 
So let me take this piece and I'm gonna see, okay, how does it fit this part? Let's see how big it needs to be. So let's say, maybe a little closer. So let's measure that. Okay, that's pretty good. So let me take that off. So I'm just pinching this to know, okay, that's where I need to add the wire. And that can be helpful. So this piece of reed is way too long, but that's where you can just go in and trim later on. Jazz is asking, are you covering the reed structures with something? We're not during this live stream, but I should go shopping for some pantyhose and <laughs> throw it on so you can all see what it looks like. Ayanda says, I've always wanted to do both painting and sculpture, but now I've changed my mindset to stop limiting myself on other mediums that is why I'm driven to try other mediums despite the outcome. Yeah, I mean, Mia, if you told me to do rug tufting, I'd be like, what the heck? I don't know why. I, I literally don't even know why I started doing it. I was just like, you know what? I'm going to try to do this. Why? I just like, I was in my major. I had no reason to do it. For some reason, I was just like, I need a new skill. <laughs> How did you learn to do it? Um, I... It's pretty easy once you have the right materials. So I got the right materials and then I watched like some YouTube videos and then just did trial and error um, by myself. And I tried cool. to make my, the very first rug I tried to make was for my dad. Um, and it ended up being a disaster. <laughs> it looked like it, it did not look like I wanted it to look, but now it's kind of like an inside family joke, which is funny. I've gotten better since then. Well, what got you to keep going, even though that first one was a disaster? I think that I am totally the type of person who picks up a new medium, and if I'm not good at it right away, I'll just give up. So for rug tufting, I really wanted to challenge myself to just calm down a little and give myself time to genuinely learn a new skill. And I kept saying like, okay, well, if we're really bad at it right now, imagine where we'll be in um, like a year. And yeah. year has passed and I've dressed, like I've improved a lot. So that kind of little mantra helped me stick with it for sure. I mean, I think when it really started to take off for you is when you started adding watercolor. Oh, yeah. I mean, fun. they really are paintings. I think that like, yeah, I would consider them like wall hangings or kind of decor in that way. I don't think um, because of the little detail that I've started doing, uh, it's not really a great rug for standing on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that would make me sad to walk on that rug. <laughs> I need to make a rug for Cat's cat, cat 
and Buddy, your dog. <laughs> oh, you're going to make Buddy, buddy a rug? That'd be really cute, wouldn't it? Like oh. a Buddy as a rug. He's like perfect for it. He needs one because I've noticed he started to lick surface. I'm like, dude, don't lick that, okay? <laughs> Ew. Oh, plague math. Hey, this would work really well for that. Jazz is asking, is there a difference with learning off YouTube and being in a brick and mortar school? I've been learning philosophy as I paint and listen to YouTube. The one hour lectures are what I look for. Well, what do you think? I think that YouTube and learning off the internet, you can really, self, not to keep overusing the word self-direct, but you can curate your own education. Um, and, but the good thing about a brick and mortar school is that you kind of know that the professionals you're getting information from might have good connections to the industry you want to go into, or they're very well educated themselves to be in that position. YouTube, you don't really like it could be a random person who's not doing something the right way, quote unquote, teaching you. But um, I've always liked kind of the self-directed uh, way of going about it. But that's just me. Well, I mean, people tell me all the time how different the teaching is we do here. And I think a lot of that is because I do have classroom experience, whereas a lot of people who teach on YouTube, which is fine, they're artists who teach, but that's not quite the same thing as running a classroom, do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I recently got experience running my own classroom for the first time, and it was very different from anything I've ever experienced. So I'd say it's good to have experiences of all kinds. And then once you have a lot of expertise and experience in different kind of fields of teaching, you can bring it to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing that I valued so much about brick and mortar is the peers, because you really get to know other students, you can learn from them. Now, of course, there are other options, like we have our Patreon group in the Discord, where you do get feedback during voice sessions with staff, I leave really nerdy, long critiques. So there are ways to get feedback now online that didn't exist before but it's just not the same as in person. I know, Seven Angelic. YouTube has kind of become the great information repository. Well, I know for the longest time, and I think this is still the prevailing attitude in academia, was that, oh, YouTube is trash. If it's on YouTube, it's trash. I'm like, dude, YouTube is teaching the whole world. Everybody I know who wants to learn something, my husband's like, oh, I got to fix our dryer. He learned off of YouTube. Don't you think that's incredible? It's incredible. And it's free. <laughs> like, that's yeah. such a good part about it is that it's accessible to so many more people, like where specific schools and things like that, some people have like no way of breaking into that. So YouTube is really useful in that way. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, I know a lot of YouTube is entertainment, 
I mean, where else am I going to see all my Aaron Tveit clips? But <laughs> it's it's also where people go to learn things, and I think that's incredible. We didn't have that option in the '80s. <laughs> Look, I added some wire details on my crown. Hang on, I don't know if you can see. Whoa! Oh, that's so cute. Let's see. Oh I feel gosh. like I'm almost done. <laughs> it's oh, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. We have to see this better. Wait, put it on again. It's way too big. Maybe ah! someone with a big head and they can wear it. Or wait, like. <laughs> did you not measure it first? I tried to. Maybe I didn't do it as well this time. Oh, it could be another face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it could be. Yeah, maybe this is your first lesson in fashion design. You should measure your head. Yeah. I'll find someone with and then they could wear this crown. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I mean, don't you feel like the reed would be really good for making something that goes over your shoulders? Oh, totally. You could you could probably make arm little armature structures for an entire cosplay kind of thing or costume or things like that. That'd be amazing. Well, see, that's again why the lightweight quality is incredible. Because if you think about ballet dancers and the costumes they wear, I mean, think about what that's like having to design a costume. It's like, oh, by the way, they have to be able to leap into the air and not have their costume fall off. Yeah, it's it's so involved. It's a full industry for a reason, I think. How much more time do we have on the stream? I want to know mo what more I can accomplish with this. <laughs> well, I mean, let's look at it. Do you feel like you are missing something let's see i could add some more fun wire things around could be fun well what kind of wire are you using because it looks really thin yeah it's pretty thin it's like i don't know the exact thing it's like, yeah i mean if everybody looks at my wire it, it's pretty thick compared to yours i think mia mm-hmm right? Yeah. So that's where I think actually the thicker wire would help. I mean, this is still really, really thin, but there's all kinds of wire you can get that, um, that can be a little bit more prominent. I mean, you can do a lot with wire. Like if I wanted to take this marker, I could totally just wrap this marker, this wire around the marker it's so satisfying to watch you do that <laughs> yeah why i don't know it's just like i can imagine an entire sped up video of you just wrapping wire around and building things and it would be the best i would watch it for hours i bet uh, as if i don't have enough to do mia <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you guys keep coming up with so many good ideas for videos and so when people are like, oh, have you thought about this? I'm like, yes, I want to do that right now. <laughs> so this is what I did. I just wrapped the pencil and wire. Now look at this. If you take it off like this. So I have a little slinky, I guess. But check this out. You can pull it apart. Ooh. Right? Ooh that's fun okay I'm gonna and try. then look at this 
Like it really is a slinky. <laughs> That's so fun. I love that. I feel like I could do a smaller version of that or something. Well, so if I wanted to, let's say I want to add this as almost a decorative element, I could make the slinky and then take the wire and wrap it around to attach it to the cornucopia like this. Because I, I love the idea of having the wire being a decorative element that's, I guess, almost a supplement to the reed. Okay, let's try that. All right, so does everybody see? Now I have the cornucopia. I'll just pull this out. I have this little <laughs> thing that comes up. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe this wraps around. Maybe there's like a little coil that goes around. I think you would have fun with that, Mia. Oh, I'm I'm having fun. Yeah, I'm trying it right now. Oh, yeah? Cool. cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, so the thing about thicker wire that does help is it just is more present because if you look at the width of the reed versus the width of the wire if the wire is really thin it's just not as prominent within the structure i think that yeah i i, I like how you're not trying to hide the wire i like how it's another you're bringing attention to it and um, it's an entirely new player, I think, in the game. Of well, it, it's also that design concept, form follows function. So here, the wire, let's say it's structurally adding to it, but at the same time, it's also a cool design. Oh, Blue is saying, Mia, put a weave of fabric inside. It can be adjustable and give comfort, like the inside of a helmet. That's so smart. If I had fabric right now, I would totally do that. <laughs> but I'm going to get oh, some. It's brilliant. Oh, I totally want to see that. Now, Mia, if you were to add something on top, like let's say the tracing paper or the paper mache or pantyhose, do you think you would add something to it or would you keep it straight? What More flowers? I, the flowers could be cool, um, but I like the idea of kind of, uh, you know, almost like jester hats where they have like fabric and then things coming off of it. That could be kind uh -huh. of interesting where like there's a cover for your head, almost like what Blue was saying. And then the uh, reeds could kind of like shoot off of it. It would look silly, but it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> oh, I think it'd be amazing. I mean, my kid went to a convention last year. I think it was called Fanex. And my husband is known for doing these incredibly elaborate Halloween costumes. I mean, to the degree that you cannot believe it. It's just like he'll stay up like all night for a week making these elaborate costumes. And I feel like this would be a really good material. Oh, to totally. Make a he should he should get in on this because this is this is a gold mine. It is. So thank you so much to Counselor Chip for the super sticker who says fascinating watching the two different techniques yeah that's one of the reasons we do two people on a stream because sometimes i feel like you see a lot of channels it's just one person which is fine i mean not everybody wants a multi-artist channel but you can see it's like okay we got the same material 
but Mia and I have such different takes on how to use it. And I think that's a way to educate people so that it's not so much one point of view because everybody uses a material a totally different way. All right, everybody. I would like to give, by the way, a big shout out to Counselor Chip because guess what? This stream could not have happened without Counselor Chip's sponsorship of this video. And this is just so amazing when we get support like this from people in our community. And by the way, sponsored by Cobalt Counseling, you can find the links in the YouTube video description below. And this is just extraordinary because Mia, I have so many things that I want to do, but we also have to stay alive. <laughs> and yeah. so, oh my gosh, when somebody steps forward and helps us make the content we want to make, isn't it amazing? Oh, it's great. It's, and it's a load off our shoulders a little bit and it's for a good cause. And it's, yeah, I think it's amazing. So thank you so much for this wonderful little donation. And it's, it's been fun. It's been great. Yeah. Because the thing is when somebody sponsors a video, you're not just getting a video for yourself. It's not like that at all. You're making it for the community. You're making it for the world. I mean, sorry to sound dramatic, but it is. I mean, this video is now out there and this is a really great project for high school students. I've had so much success with it over the years and I've always wanted to make a video about it. And it wasn't until we had Counselor Chip step in to support a video like this. So if you want to get information on how you can sponsor a video, because we've had a couple sponsors here who have made so much great content available that I otherwise would never have had the time to do. That is in the YouTube video description below. I will be in the Discord right after this stream to hang out and chat more about all kinds of things. Join our Patreon group. We have so much fun in there. You've got weekly voice sessions with staff. I leave very long, comprehensive critiques. You get support in a small group of artists. And we do not have our critique rule that we have in the public critique channels. Artprof has services, artist calls, portfolio critiques, statement editing, and personal art curriculums. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.